When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Telfer and on this occasion I am joined by my close associate Sean McGuigan. Hello there. And you know what happens when the Rebecca Lose and the pig from Channel 5 reality TV show The Farm <laughs> get together. Now, I, I, I do recognise that duo. Sometimes I don't recognise the duo. I, I remember that. An yeah. astonishing moment of television. It was certainly an astonishing moment of television. And this is going to be an astonishing podcast because at least one of us is going to be milked for some worthwhile content <laughs> about the Scottish lower leagues. And just like the pig on Channel 5 reality TV show The Farm, we might just enjoy ourselves. <laughs> In fairness, I don't, think, uh, I don't think the pig was milked. <laughs> No, that's 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 another meaning. He was, he was the pig was masturbated, but that's just another word for for milking, isn't it? When you go and search online, you search for for milking. That's that's some of the the another name for that genre. I, I don't know what you search for online, but but regardless, <laughs> uh, a, a good duo. Thank you. Yeah, you, I mean you could milk a pig. I mean, you could, I mean obviously Rebecca Lewis knows you can milk a pig, but you can milk a pig. I'm sure pigs would secrete milk as well. Would it be a sow? A mean, sow, what's a sow? I, is that is that a female pig? I see female pigs are sow. Yeah. <clears throat> well, then you can milk a sow. Yeah, you, you can milk, milk a pig. A boar, I think. Is that what a male pig's called? A boar? I thought it was a different animal. I thought it had tusks. Um, maybe a pig. A, a baby pig's called a piglet. I know that. I think we'll put, put, I, I put, cannot put, disagree with that. A baby we'll, pig is indeed a piglet. I'll put this out to the listeners. If you know what the correct name for an adult male pig is, please let myself and Sean know because it would certainly help us with conversations like this. But yeah, Sean and I are going to be examining one game from the Championship, a second from League One, and a third and final match for League Two. If this is <clears> the <throat> first time you've listened to the podcast, it really is that simple. If you haven't, well, you know how it works by now. But Sean, before we get going, I'll just check in. How the H are you? I'm, uh, I'm very well. How are you? 
Yeah, fine, fine. I'm just trying to think if anything interesting has happened to me since I last saw you. No, no, no. The the world still turns on its axis. Uh, just a, a couple of days closer towards death than I was that when I when I spoke to you last, and that's that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I am. I'm quite excited about Sunday. The the Via Play Cup. Hibernian versus Wraith Rovers, always, uh, always one of the best away days from a Wraith Rovers fan. Like a short train journey over, mm. you're, you're, there's plenty of good, decent uh, pubs in in Leith. Easter Road is a good stadium, and the yep. fact that Hibernian have disaster permeating through their DNA like a stick of rock, there is always a chance, always a chance you can pull off a shock against them. I think you're absolutely correct. I think I can see Wraith Rovers beating Luzerne and qualifying from their Europa group tie, but turning an absolutely horrendous performance against Hibernian and, and going down like 2-0 and then Lee Johnson coming out with something about there's a crab on the beach worry about the sand getting in his claws or something along those lines. He's, he's a real slaver, isn't he? Oh, but he's great. That is, I, I, I simultaneously think he's an absolute doofus, but also really like him at the same time. I, I enjoy getting annoyed at him and disagreeing with him, but at the same time, I would, I would thoroughly miss him. So if he can yes. somehow stick around Scottish football in some shape, we or form, uh, I'd be delighted. Yeah, you're you're right about Hearts and Hibs. I think is an away day. If when the Scottish Cup comes up, if if my team are able to to make it through to the the third or the fourth fourth round, isn't it? When the when the bigger teams yep. come in the fourth round, then those are the away days you want. You want a remote team that you've never played against before. Then you want Hearts or Hibs away because a day out in Edinburgh is really good. And I think that as a city, I mean, as a city, it's got its issues. But in terms of being a football supporter, going through to Gorgie or going through to Leith is 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 a great way to spend the day. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to it. That's good, man. That's good. Well, I mean, people have tuned into this podcast and thinking, Oi, Telfer, McGuigan, I thought this was a lower league podcast. What are you talking about Hibernian for? And you're right, we're sorry. This is a lower <laughs> league podcast. And we are going to start off by <coughs> looking at a game in the championship. And we are going to the south side of Glasgow, the hottest ticket in town, a sold out capacity crowd of about 900. We're there to watch Queen's Park's 2 1 win over our growth. Barry Hepburn gave the Spiders lead with a tap in midway through the first half and despite Leighton McIntosh equalising midway through the second half it was quickly cancelled out by Rory Payton. Queen's Park top the championship, they're the only side in the division with a 100% record while our both are bottom with a big fat goose egg. Sean, what were your thoughts on Queen's Park 2, our both 1? I, I presume going at this one that I would have nothing left to, to slag off Lesser Hamden about but I was always the highlights and I, I can't believe how unkempt it is. Oh, I'm you glad how... you said it. It looks like it looks like a fucking hovel. <laughs> it looks like an absolute hovel. You know what it looks like? It looks like I can imagine like somewhere the dingles are from Emmerdale would stay. It's exactly what I think. It looks like <laughs> all, all the grass here. So like I, I think one side has has grass, the other side has what appears to be shrubbery. But I I've written down it looks like uh, a nuisance neighbor's front garden. Like. <laughs> Like Michael, they, Lotto out Michael Carroll. <laughs> if they're there, if they're there for another week or two, I can imagine like a couch being in, being behind one of the goals, and <laughs> a, a, like maybe a car engine that had been dismantled. Yes. I like a burnt out Ford Escort. Yes, it looks like an absolute hovel. That's one of the things I got down. It reminded me of First Park. Did, did you ever go to First Park before yeah. it before they moved yep. away? It reminded me of that where <clears> I mean the pitch. Uh, uh, 
at Lesser Hamden is absolutely immaculate. You have to say that. The, the pitch is absolutely gorgeous and it's very conducive to what Queen's Park want to do. And we'll, we'll come on and talk about that. But the, the rest of Lesser Hamden, I mean, it's like there's a tractor behind the goals. There's like porta cabins and annexes and shipping containers. It just it just looks really, really bad. It's in bad need of landscape gardening. That was my first thought. It's in bad need of landscape gardening. There's a comment that says that there are chandeliers in the in the fancy box. Is that you've been in it? Is that the case? I I don't know. I don't know. It's very nice. Um, there could be. I didn't look that. I didn't look up the way. I was more interested in the the view of of the pitch. But I, I can't tell if there were chandeliers. That if if there are, I would not be surprised. It's very swish in there. Very swish. I suppose regardless of our uh, opinions of their, their terrible stadium, I, I did think that Queen's Park were, uh, were very impressive. And bear in mind that I, I thought they might struggle this season. I, I may have to reassess that opinion. I think from watching this, Queen's Park were excellent in this game. And I think one of the issues is there's perhaps a lack of ruthlessness. I think that as good a player as Rudy Payton has been for them so far and will be going forward. I think another striker might be the very thing. They were linked with Robbie Ewer, who had left Rangers in the, the summer. Very highly rated player. He was a, very close to move to AZ Altmar in the Netherlands, but that, that deal fell through. He's been, so he's been training with Queen's Park. And if they could get him signed up, that would be fantastic. But yep. watching these highlights, I think it's only a matter of time before Queen's Park dish out an absolute bleaching to someone in the division, if they ha- if they were able to, to add that, no, 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 no. If they're able to add that ruthlessness, and once the they can sort of maybe cut out a bit of the naivety that you see in the back line, but from from middle to front, or certainly in the midfield, the way these guys move the ball about, they're, they're one of the most easy on the eye sides. Am I saying in the country? Yeah, probably, probably outside Celtic, they're, they're perhaps one of the the, the easiest on the eye sides. They're definitely playing excellent football. The only thing I would say, I see in terms of this. Uh, the fact that they weren't clinical enough, I, I I totally agree. But I don't think they were necessarily not clinical enough in terms of their finishing. I think it was more in terms of maybe the final ball. Because in terms of watching the highlights, I don't remember, I don't remember that many opportunities or glaring opportunities were missed. I don't no, remember Derek Gaston making loads of saves. No, they were far and away the better team. But I don't know if they missed that many sitters. Uh, no, that's, that's I suppose thinking back when I watched them earlier today. I, I suppose that's a, that's a fair point, yeah. But I just think that having another presence in there, someone to to to, to relieve the burden on Peyton will be a good move. I meant to say Scott Williamson has joined. He's one of the the sixty two players that signed for Cove Rangers. <laughs> this. This transfer window, he joined on loan and played in the match against Falkirk. That's the match from League One that we're going to come on to. But I just think that's that's something they perhaps need to address. They're certainly capable of creating a lot of chances. You've seen that from Hepburn on, on one side and, and Thomas on the other. And they really did a bit of a... I'm not saying they're going to say they were doing do a number. That's not the case because they were far the dominant side. But it's the, the second time in a week that our both have been given a chase. And I think the 2-1 scoreline isn't reflective of that performance there. Queen's Park thoroughly deserved to win it. And the fact there's only one goal in it, I think that looks kind on our broth. I think it would be easy to... I think it would be easy to say that Queen's Park are going to have a very good season and our broth are going to have a very poor season. But I think what you can say about Queen's Park in terms of their opponents so far, the opposite would be true of... Or maybe the same would be true of our broth. I'm trying to think how I phrase this. So I, like, I've been impressed with Queen's Park so far. I do think they've played two of the poorer teams uh, in the league, I, I, I thought I think Inverness are probably going to have a very, very difficult season, and Ambrose will probably be 
down at the, the bottom end. The, the Lichties, on the other hand, I've played Dungeon United too. I still think I'll win the league and Queen's Park will probably have a decent season. So I don't want to necessarily go gung-ho in terms of how well Queen's Park are going to do mm. and how poorly our broth are going to do. However, there, there looked like there was a chasm between the two on the day. I, our broth in this one looked very <clears> similar <throat> to how they looked against Dundee United, where it looked like a, a top-end championship side, even a bottom-end premiership side, come up against like a, a League One, a, a middling League One side. There were times there where our broth just couldn't couldn't really get a grip of the match at all. And I think in the middle of the park, it was um, Jack Thompson and Jack Spong in particular were really, really impressive. The way those guys were knocking the ball about together, everyone on the pitch there, even in the highlights, is a bit where Charlie Fox does a, an incredible piece of skill yep. to get I mean, it doesn't all, I mean, I can see why they left it in the highlights. It doesn't lead to anything, but the way he was able to get the ball, I think it was two players and sort of like do a very graceful pirouette to get through them and, and move the ball in. Very, very impressive. Everyone looks like they're enjoying themselves under uh, Robin Velman and, and Marion Bucher. It looks like a, a lot of fun at the moment. But our both just looked, they looked slow, they looked leggy. I think I don't think that the, the formation necessarily suited them, going with sort of a, I think they perhaps need to, to flood more players in the middle of the park. And I think that Dick Campbell, he's really still trying to find... I mean, at this stage, what, we are six competitive games into the season and he's still trying to find a, a suitable balance for his side. And yeah, they're playing against two of the best sides of the division, two of the best footballing teams in the division based on what we've seen. But certainly from our both perspective, I think that the I think they're going to have a hard time of it this year. I'm glad you've mentioned that, actually, because I'd noticed it as well because I'd, I'd referred to it on the, the preview pod in terms of one of the reasons that I thought Queen's Park might struggle. In terms of what, how they were being instructed to play, in terms of playing football from the back, and I thought the maybe the biggest impediment to that was Charlie Fox at centre half. I didn't mm. think that was something he wanted to do, but you're right. That piece of play when he was in there, it looked like he was hemmed in at the corner flag, and he just kind of sashayed away from uh, from two hard players. I thought it looked very good. So, so perhaps, perhaps there is a, a footballer in there. Maybe he's learned to play football. I don't know, or maybe I was just too harsh on him originally. Uh, I. I would maybe disagree a wee bit in terms of our growth, but only from the defensive side of things. I thought they maybe defended far better on Saturday than they did against Dungeon United the week before, albeit they're probably coming up against inferior players uh, at, from Queen's Park. But going I, forward, they, they offered, you're right, I, I thought they offered absolutely zero. Yeah, I, I suppose that Dundee United have a player like Louis Moult in the ranks there, who's yeah. straight away the best striker in that division. You saw the havoc that he caused. I just don't think that Queen's Park have got anyone as destructive as that. And that's perhaps why, as we mentioned, another forward coming in. I think that, that Robbie Ewer, who we mentioned, he's quite a big lad going by the photographs. I've, I haven't seen him play, but he looks like a, a strapping young man, someone who would be into MMA uh, if he was away, away from football. To think that him coming in would make a big difference, but I suppose that's it. Just having that linchpin centre forward that really allows you to, to to smash teams open is the is perhaps a, something they, they might look to do because just it gives you a different dimension. The passing football is really good, but when it comes up against a team that are determined to to play a low block when you don't necessarily have the tools to prise them open, sometimes just having a big wrecking ball forward in there is good. Like for instance. We'll talk about him later in this podcast. Ross McKeever at Falkirk. He looks mm -hmm. like a really useful signing. And yep. if Queen's Park had someone similar to McKeever, I think that would open up uh, another dimension to their game. 
especially when so if you have Ewer who is this wrecking ball and big laddie up front and either side of him you have Dom Thomas on one side and Barry Hepburn on the other who are able to like yeah. have that to aim it in the middle then aye that, that kind of suggests that that would probably be a, a decent signing and a, a success very much so yeah, you mentioned Hepburn there. He got off his, the mark for Queen's Park. Very probably the easiest goal he's he's likely to score in his career. The ball's worked down the right, played straight across the face of goal, and there he is lurking at the back post to tap in from about three yards out. At a good, uh, like well done from. I think it was. I think it was Spong, Sp- Spong, Sponge, Spong. 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 Yeah. I, I think he played it to to Peyton. Good awareness for Peyton to to pick him at the back post. But you're right, a, a fairly straightforward finish from, I don't know, six yards at the back post into a pretty much an empty net. But but still a well-worked goal, was, uh, as simple as it was for uh, for. A- yeah, there was, I thought that our growth would come back into it. There was a moment in this match where, and these are the, as you say, the scenes we like to see, an indirect free kick. I'm not sure if the award for this was harsh or not, because I think it's... Um, it's Will Tizard sort of plays the ball to, to Callum McKenna, but there only seems to be about a yard or so between them. It's very difficult to tell whether or not the back pass was, if it was a back pass or it was just where it was like nudged. We sometimes see that where the ball kind of gets nudged to the goalkeeper and the referee's happy to let play continue. I, I thought watching it, it looked like he wanted to direct it back to the keeper rather than it just hitting his foot and... and inadvertently going back to the keeper so I, I as much as there wasn't a lot of distance here I, I kind of understood why the why the referee gave that decision but you're right it's like, like even just watching something like this is exciting and like I, I, I hadn't known how uh, I hadn't now known how Leighton McIntosh had scored so even watching that was reasonably excited I goes this might be the goal uh, it, it wasn't unfortunately but just that roar See for the Queen's Park fans, when it doesn't go in it's class <laughs> I, Mikey McKenna just melting it off the wall <laughs> I was really disappointed with that. But they did They did Leighton McIntosh's goal. And again, this is another one where I'm not exactly sure what happened. But as Mark Stowe latches over to a ball that's played over the top. And I'm not sure if he actually cuts it back to, to Leighton McIntosh or he has a shot that M- McKenna like, blocks and the ball just perfectly bounces into the pass of uh, McIntosh. I, I thought he'd cut it back. To be honest, I'll give them the benefit there. I, I thought it cut back. I, I, I will say that I thought the defensively Queen's Park looked a wee bit all over the place at that point. Certainly in terms of defensive line, it felt like some of them were pushing up, some of them yeah. were, were were staying where they were. So that's probably something to, to to work on. But at that point, and I think I think the way this game panned out, certainly the first half, Queen's Park probably should have swept our broth uh, aside. It should have been more than a, a, a goal to the good. But at that point, I think there was probably a number of people in the stadium who thought that maybe Abroth could could get something from the game. If, if not a win, then certainly hold on for the point. However, again, you have to uh, credit Queen's Park for the fact that they almost immediately went up the park and, and got the winner. Yeah, actually, there's it's really Payton that, that got the winner. I think it was the fourth attempt to get the ball <laughs> over the line. I felt a bit <laughs> sorry for them. It was like a, yeah. just a big start. Like, there have been so many good attempts to... Uh, prevent the ball from going over the line and you think right well surely now it'll break to a, an Ambrose player 
but at no point did it. This always broke to a Queen's Park uh, fall. You've got Aaron Healy takes two bites, but there was Scott Stewart like throwing himself down at like ankle level to head the ball away. Rick, David Gold comes back to, to get an action, but as you say, just very, very unfortunate the ball just breaks to uh, to Peyton to, to smash it into there. I mean, not the most aesthetically uh, pleasing goal, but, but certainly an important one. And just to, to, to go back to a point you made on the big preview podcast, you said that that you don't think Queen's Park are... You were worried you viewed them about eighth place. Mm-hmm. Is that something you stand by? Or have you seen from, from the games against Cali Thistle and the game against our bro stuff here that, that would change your mind? I, I just think that... So the reason I made that, that comment and that prediction was there's been loads of, a, a good few examples where teams have a very good season in the championship and then they, they don't follow up because the team has broken up and then how they struggle to replace those players... And I wondered about Queen's Park this season because the players have left. And bear in mind, like who, who the players, who the players that that, that you thought they they struggled to to replace. Uh, so Mal Botang, I think mm-hmm. that protected the back four. Yeah, and no, he, not necessarily somebody who who ended the season, but like Simon. And bear in mind, this is a team who that that last quarter. Rubbish. They were a poor team. Like they yeah. weren't. They weren't a good team when they ended the season. They were, they were quite a poor team. Uh, I think they may have an upgrade on Botang in terms of uh, in terms of Jack Spong. See the amount of times where he, and even just in limited highlights, well, I've seen limited highlights with nine minutes, but there's maybe two or three times where he slid into a tackle and, and won it cleanly and broke up uh, an, an Arbroath uh, counter-attack. Like, he, looks a, he looks a really good player. Mm. And certainly Queen's Park fans seem, seem very happy with him. And again, I suppose I was just worried about the fact that how many young players they were they were going to go with. You looked at their so their back four and goalkeeper that finished the game, not that started the game, but there was two nineteen-year-olds, a seventeen-year-old, and a sixteen-year-old. Yeah, that was their back four. You think, well, like see, before the season starts, like, well, surely that can't possibly work. And listen, maybe maybe it won't, uh, but it looks like they have a, a a young but very very talented squad and still they still have guys like Dom Thomas who I, I think is one of the on his day is, is one of the most electrifying and best wide players in, in that division so yes I've very much changed my opinion don't think they'll struggle definitely won't be at the bottom of the league still yet to be convinced that they will be uh, top four but I certainly wouldn't be surprised anymore before we just touch on our broth, I don't know if you noticed but see on the that director's box at Queen's Park a very, very small apostrophe has appeared between the <laughs> N and the S. Very, very small. Looks like it's almost apologetically been added in. <laughs> Which it is apologetically, as it wasn't there to start with. Aye, uh, that's ah, uh, just uh, just uh, it just looks so bad because you can. It looks like they've they've listened. You better go back and fix that. And that whoever's done it has just tried to. It looks tiny. It looks it, <laughs> that apostrophe looks uh, looks so small. But I mean, too, uh, too too busy making chandeliers to get uh, apostrophes. Uh, but I, sorry, just before that, I saw that Callan McKenna, the Queens Park goalkeeper, he's been linked with the likes of Arsenal, Southampton, Brighton. Again, a player you highlighted as someone that's got a bright future ahead of him. And if you're playing goals, playing goals at the age of sixteen for a Championship team, and it's a team who are based on possession and keeping the ball, where there's an emphasis on the goalkeeper to start play at the back, that's an enormous asset. Mm-hmm. And 
you would you would fancy a, a big team to to come in for him. And if Queen's Park only get him till till January, which which could be the case, he could, he could make them a fair bit of money. Aye, I think so. He looks like such a talent. The problem is I don't know what his... I've seen a lot of Queen's Park fans saying they need to tie him down to a long-term contract, so I don't know how long his his contract is. So maybe uh, if he's only... Let's say he's only got a contract until uh, next summer, then maybe the amount of money they receive is is a wee bit less than they they should be. I mean, a couple of times I've mentioned him, but he looks exceptional. But then it becomes a self-sustaining economy that where Queen's Park, if they sell Callum McKenna to the Arsenal Football Club, that effectively pays for every single penny that Willie Hawes put into it, thus becoming a self-sustaining economy. And that's ultimately what Queen's Park want to get themselves, a self-sustaining economy. I mean, you're right. It's, it, this is ex- this is essentially what they, they said they set out to do, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so maybe it's difficult to criticise them. Who, who am I? A self-sustaining economy. I keep doing this. You, no, you can't see me, listener. Like as if you're um, stirring, stirring a pot. Thus, thus becomes a self. Uh, is that the is that the international sign language for a self-sustaining economy? I don't you know, stirring a pot. I don't know. There's an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where they make Paddy's dollars for the bar, that, and, and it's the idea that they, they would give out the money for free. The people would come to the bar, spend the Paddy's dollars, and then eventually keep coming back and spending real dollars, thus creating a self-sustaining economy. <laughs> And they keep using this term and they don't know what it means. And that's sort of how I feel when I'm talking about this, this Queen's Park side at the moment. Is there anything else to say about our growth in this one? No, just that I, I mean, my concern at the start of the season was if you sign players called uh, Jack Spong and Will Tizard, who sound like characters in a, a, a children's fantasy novel, then you'll probably struggle. But actually, I, I shouldn't have been concerned whatsoever. They sound like guys who'd be expelled from the Glasgow University Union. That's the name of those guys. That's that's what they sound like. Yeah, but I mean, the, the sides actually are playing each other on Saturday. Both of them were knocked out of the League Cup, mm-hmm. so they brought their match against one of their forward. It's going to be take place at Gayfield. Score prediction for it? Uh, I'm going to go for the same result. Uh, 2-1 Queen's Park. Fair enough. Just before we move on, Sean, that was an interesting match to talk about, but it wasn't perhaps the most interesting match that took place in the Championship. That was Wraith Rovers' win over Greenock Morton, and I think that had we not spoken about the Rovers last week, we might have touched on this one. Were you there for the game? I was, yeah. How was uh, it? A, a good laugh. I was, if I was, I suppose, similar to the, the, the week before. If I was a Morton fan, I would be questioning how we didn't manage to take anything from the game. I, I think Wraith Rovers were not dominated, but but kind of second best or big chunks in terms of the from two 0 Actually, when Morton got the first goal, between Morton scoring the first goal and Morton scoring the second goal, they were the better team. There is there is no two ways about it. However, not long after that, Sean Byrne came on, uh, mm. sat in front of the back four. Then Scott Brown came on and sat in front of the back four, and there's been a discussion about, and I've already mentioned this, about how Ian Murray wants to line up the season. And there's only been one player sitting in front of the back phone that's been Sam Stanton, which isn't his natural game. See, as soon as those two came on, then the the, the kind of battle, and it was a battle against Morton, and I, and I mean that in the nicest possible way, but certainly, like, physically, Raythrowers were able to handle it a wee bit better, and the... I'm not saying it wasn't a surprise, because it, it, it still was, but like Callum Smith's 
uh, pouncing on Kirk Broadfruit's mistake on the on the edge of the box. But he's, he's run, and, and I was like, right, well, you need to hit it now. Why have you not hit it now? Why have you cut it inside? Oh, because you're going to do that. Like, it was, just, <laughs> like it, it was just a good laugh. Don't get me wrong. Similar to Patrick Lissell, for, for big swathes of the game, I, I didn't necessarily find it a good laugh. But again, walking away from the game at, at, at 10 to 5, 5 to 5, I had, I had a big smile on my face. So, no, it was good. It was good. I'd, I'd, if I was a Morton fan, I'd, I'd feel hard done by. Most Rovers fans are, are delighted with how it's going. And, and now they have a, they have a squad. Like, for yeah. the, the bulk of last season, they didn't have a squad. And, and that bodes well for the, for the rest of this season. Good, man. Pleased to hear it. But we'll move from the Championship. We'll move out the south side of Glasgow to an abject industrial estate in the hinterlands of Aberdeen. <laughs> It is, isn't it? It's, it's a really poor place to go and watch football. I've never been. I don't really intend to. Don't really. Fa- don't really fancy it. I mean, Aberdeen's a, a good city. I, I know some people are down on it. Not me. I've spent time there. It seems quite nice, and it looks think to go to Aberdeen games looks like quite good fun. But not if you've got to take a bus about an hour and a half outside to some big giant B and Q next to a football pitch. Nah, it's uh, so, so it's about a twenty-five minute bus journey. All right, uh, okay. To, to be fair. But uh, when I was there, you could actually watch rolls of mist rolling across the park. I, I, I don't know why. I, I, presumably, it's just the location. But there the always seems to be the uh, the kind of gist of, of, of where you watch it. It's just a, geographically, it seems to be a very cold place to watch football. Well, the action of the pitch was hot. We can say that. There we go. These, these links are getting better and better, Sean. I have been... <laughs> Spent that, that's what I've been doing with the past week since I last saw you working on links. No, the action was hot here. Josh Kerr opened the scoring from the penalty spot uh, just not long after the, the interval, but it was cancelled out five minutes later by Will Gillingham's own goal. Cove thought they had the game won, courtesy of Roman Burrell's strike, but Jordan Allen popped up in the 95th minute to tie the match. Sean, Cove Rangers 2, Falkirk 2, what are your thoughts? I, I, don't, know if this, I don't know if this game made me think any differently in terms of how the two teams' season will go. Maybe the Hamilton game made me think differently in terms of how Falkirk's season will go, but I still think that Cove will have just about enough to, to finish in the top four, and I still think Falkirk will be there or thereabouts in terms of uh, in terms of winning the winning the division. I'd, I'd, I suppose the biggest talking point would be the, the first goal. Like, see, when I, I know you've already referenced it, or maybe you referenced it before we started recording. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Before uh, we started recording, it's a, it's a penalty, but very, very difficult to see going by the Falkirk TV highlights exactly what it was given for. A so that's just it. That's just it. Was very difficult, but the the, the Falkirk fans uh, after the game seemed to be quite conclusive in their opinion that it definitely wasn't a penalty. But there, there was there, there was body parts and hands and players all in the way. So I I, I, I couldn't really tell at all in terms of what the referee had saw. So I was I was a bit less conclusive about about whether it was a penalty or not. But nevertheless emphatically finished by Josh Kerr to to give us give the side the lead. Uh Will Gillingham, who is a, a six foot four centre back that he signed from I think Central Fuego Rovers, something <laughs> along those lines. Why why do you find that funny? <laughs> Is that where he's come from? No, no, that's, 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 where, that's where he's come Central from. Central Fuego Rovers. Oh, I don't know if the Rovers, but Central Fuego. It's, there's definitely a Fuego in there. Definitely a Fuego yeah, in there. He, he looked like he struggled. I mean, maybe I've been harsh, but certainly his attempt to, to block that cross, like he, he saw it coming from, from a good distance. 
and his technique in terms of of blocking it or knocking it out for a corner or whatever he was trying to do, I don't know. But rather, he, he just diverted it in a different direction towards his own goal. It was just, it just looked really poor. If a striker finished a shot like I say, bloody hell, that's that's an ama- amazing piece of vision there to get your foot on the end of that and direct it like that. But unfortunately, play was going the other direction. Uh, it was a it was a poor piece. But these goals are really a penalty kick, an own goal. These are, these are just really incidents that happened in the match. Let's get to Roman Burrell's goal because this. I, I if 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 Sean, if you know what was going through Brad Mackay's skull at this point, I I'd, I'd really like to know. N- nothing, nothing was going through his brain or skull at this moment of time. So a long ball forward, a, a, a reasonably a kind of mediocre ball forward, and I I did enjoy the is it Sean Eldebrand that does yes. the the forward commentary. I took a note of what he said because it, it's a very. It, I appreciate the fact he's trying to be positive, like he doesn't want to put the boot in. And of course, if you're a if you're a, a club employee, then you absolutely don't want to do that. Uh, he said Mackay did well to watch the ball initially. Okay. Well, I suppose I suppose he did, but then after watching it initially, he <laughs> he turned his head and just literally nodded it into the path of Roman Burrow, who who had a it's good finish. Not, not not an easy finish because he's a wee bit he's a wee bit out, but uh, yes, you're right, a, a decent finish. And at that point. You thought, right, Cove are gonna Cove are gonna win this and not as not deservedly, but it would have been a a big fill up to them and a, a massive blow to Falkirk, but fair play to them because after that they Falkirk hit the bar a couple of times and then they they, they got their deserved equalizer in the ninety fifth minute or whatever it was. I think with, with Mackay, he's at the stage now. I mean, this is this is the third year of of his time at Falkirk. Remember, he's still got twelve months left in that contract. And <laughs> And, and it's, I think it's at the stage now where I, I, I talk to friends that support Falkirk, you read the comments in Pie and Bovril, uh, and really Falkirk fans have, have no faith in him. I mean, he came on, he, he didn't start the match, he, he came on in place of Cole Doraldson, had a wee knock and had to, had to come on his place. But that ball over the top, but yeah, he does well to watch it. But it's hard to tell, I mean, it's, if, he's, if he's trying to, 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 to knock the ball to, to Tom Lang, who's running back with him, or he's trying to play it to Sam Long in the goal, but it goes. It's neither. If it's if it's back, if it's if it's aiming at a teammate, it's an absolutely terrible header, and then it gets straight to Burrow. And I, ah, he's got a wee bit to do, but but he he presents the ball to Burrow to finish. And uh, you just wonder. I mean, we've been in these situations before as supporters when there's a player who's just so low on confidence and you always think he's going to make a mistake. It's like that episode of The Simpsons, the Max Power episode, where the entire power plant are all peering at Homer and Lenny says, watch out, he's about to do something stupid. <laughs> and I think I think that's at the stage we might be that, with that with uh, with Brad Mackay. I, uh, it's interesting that you've said that. I, I presume that he'd... It was just a lack of awareness. So it wasn't that he was necessarily attempting to do anything specific. He was just attempting to to divert it away, but hadn't actually checked to his what would have been his left, and and didn't realise that, that that Burrow was there. But but regardless of what his intentions or or what his what his awareness levels were, it was just I mean, it was just such poor defending. Yeah, it really was, and I think that the people just uh, as you say, there, Falkirk fans are, are just no faith in, in him at all. But but well. 
tough. He's going to be called on if, if anything happens to Finn Yates at right back. I think Brad Mackay's the player that's going to yeah. step up and deputise for him. Then, like as we saw there, something happens to Cole Donaldson. Mackay's the player that, that that's going to come on. But I not a just a, a frustrating player. I mean, is is, is any point that Mackay has been well thought of or well rated in his career? I don't want to give the guy too much of a kicking. Obviously, just thinking that is in. Parts of his career where, where a lot of people have, have doubted him, and I'm not sure there's any point where he's actually proved anyone wrong. Uh, without without being a, an expert on his uh, on his career trajectory, certainly during his time at, at Falkirk, uh, nobody has has necessarily been a massive fan of him. And I, I did I did laugh at somebody on Pine Bluff saying that he probably needs to go and he probably needs to go and loan to a League Two team, and then he could build up his confidence. I'm not entirely sure anyway League 2 is going to be able to afford these wages. No, 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 no. Again, judging by his Instagram post, his house looks fabulous. And I don't think there's any team <laughs> that are going to be able to pay off uh, Mr. Mackay's mortgage. But one of the things, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Cove Rangers just shortly. I mean, it's actually really difficult to talk about Cove Rangers because it's a bunch of players I've never heard of <laughs> that, are, that are playing against each other. But with Falkirk... I I think Falkirk could have won this match, and Falkirk should have won this this game. I mean, the, the two of Cove Rangers go. One's a a, disp- a debatable penalty, the other one's a catastrophic error from a defender. Cove Rangers didn't really test. Oh, in fact, I, I say that Cove Rangers didn't really test. They forced a really good save from Sam Long right at the start. It's actually a really good piece of goalkeeping. It's Connor yep. Scully. The ball's hung up at the back post, and there's Connor Scully crashes a header, and then he pushes it onto the post, then sort of chest passes it. Out, out, so it's a really, really strong reflexes from. Other than that, Cove Rangers didn't really threaten. But the guys I, I thought that that did well for for Falker. I thought that, that Calvin Miller looked like he had a good game. Alfie Agaman just really powerful, really enthusiastic, and and Ross McKeever, who I think is could has the potential to become a, a cult hero for Falkirk. Where I think again, going back to the go back to that big preview podcast that we were talking about earlier that he is someone who's not going to score that many goals for Falkirk and perhaps needs to add a bit of a clinical edge. You saw that with the, the headers that he missed that hit the post and the crossbar, but he's going to bring a bit of a chaos factor and there's player, Falkirk have got players that can feed off that. So, so it's funny you you, you mentioned uh, McKeever. I actually think he might score a lot of goals this season just because he's now, he's now playing for a Falkirk team who for the predominant amount of games a season will be on the the front foot and not just potentially he'll score goals he's involved in everything else so like he had the like he had a, a kind of flick on for the for the equaliser for, for Jordan Allen's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, second uh, second goal in the in 95th minute or whatever it was but like he drops deep like he's like he's involved in most things when, when Falkirk go forward but I do think that he like he will score goals and it's just because that that Falkirk as a team will probably create chances that fall for players in the six yard box and as much as he's happy to to be out with that six yard box I think he's also quite comfortable in it so mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he does end the season on a reasonable amount of goals which which is quite interesting when you looked at when he left Aloha it was like right well okay like he wins headers but like he's no really knocking them down to anybody but maybe that was just the fact that he is good in the air, but there wasn't enough players round about him that could pick up on that. Yeah, and maybe they weren't delivering enough decent balls into the six yard box that again he could pick up on. It's just interesting how he, how different play, how sorry, players can uh, 
thrive of of different systems, I suppose. And I, I get the impression that he, I think he's going to do really well at Falkirk this season. Oh, I think so. I think with that, a trident behind them there. It was Aguiman, Calvin Miller, uh, Callum Morrison. These are guys that want to get in the ball. These are guys that are quite attack-minded and will mm-hmm. want to, to sort of flood the penalty boxes. And on top of that, uh, when they're on their game, like like Morrison in particular, someone who can be a very destructive player on his day, you've got him chucking balls. And we saw that, like one of his crosses that, that McKeever hit onto the onto the crossbar they, they, they will create chances from so maybe that's the case maybe maybe you're, maybe you might be right uh, but certainly I think I think it looks like a, a lot of fun and as you touched on there Sean it was his flick on uh, and the that led to Alan's goal but something strangely happens here with the Falkirk TV highlights <laughs> uh, did you know uh, of course you noticed them <laughs> yes so yes. like if, if if you listener if you haven't seen them effectively the audio drops out it becomes silent, and it looks like it's filmed on a mobile phone, like on the other side of the ground. I've no idea what happens here, it, but the, the audio drops out, and it looks like it's on a mobile phone that's filmed on the other side of the ground because Falker all of a sudden change ends, and the the, the picture quality drops, and then then the, the ball's chucked in. McKeever flicks on. There's Allen to pass it into the net from six yards. I. I, I had no idea what was going on here. So obviously, like, watch the highlights. You're like, right, so Cove are shooting that way. Falkirk are shooting that way. Then during the highlights, Falkirk are shooting a different way. Cove are shooting a different way. This all makes sense. This is what happens in every uh, highlights package you've ever seen. But then for the last 30 seconds of this highlights package, the teams have changed ends again. And, and like, initially I'm like, what the fuck's happened here? But it's, so it looks like like, I know Falkirk had some kind of issues because they were they wanted to stream the game on Saturday. Yeah, that's right. They they couldn't do there it. Was some kind of issues, and maybe that was maybe it was connected. Maybe it, maybe it wasn't. I don't know. But it, they they seem to have some kind of issue in terms of the last whatever it was few minutes of the game. So they uh, kind of just kind of took Cove's last minute mm. or two of the game and, and and swapped them in. But in terms of watching it, it was. It, Initially, it was very confusing. Aye, jarring. That's how I would describe it. Not as jarring as seeing the young team on the pitch at the at the equaliser. I mean, not to not to celebration shame. I mean, if your team scores a last minute goal, that means something. It's a great feeling. Like life's life, 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 that, that made the game. I was, I was confused by that. I mean, I, I'm not sure if there is any animosity between the sides. I can't imagine there would be. The only figure of dislike, certainly from the Fox supporters, is Paul Hartley. And I, I a, don't, a, it might be a, a, I'm not a Fox fan, but it might be a big figure of dislike. I, I don't know, oh, maybe that added to it. Paul Hartley. I, you know, I suppose it's a, I suppose it's a big away day. You've potentially been drinking on a bus all the way up the game. Like, like, I don't know. I can kind of understand that, I suppose. I also think it seems to be happening quite a bit. Like, I know uh, if you watch the the Edinburgh Kuna South game, they had an issue as well with, uh, with with fans running on when Kuna South scored their winner. So like, it feels like something that might be, might be creeping into the game. Oh, that oh oh! You sound like I'm trying to think who you sound like. You sound like one of those ha- hand wringing journalists that puts out controversial tweets. Uh, bad teeth. Um, who? Uh, <laughs> I, I I just think if there's any other observations about Falkirk, yeah, I've got to say the Sean Elderbrand, who's a, a lovely, lovely guy. 
He has made the Falkirk TV highlight better and simultaneously worse at the same time. You know something? And I'll say this because when I saw the scores coming in and I saw that it was 2-1 to, to Cove Rangers, I was thinking, normally I'd be like, yes, need to go up and see these highlights. Need to cancel a night out to be in for 12 o'clock and see these highlights. But I think, oh, well, no, that would have been last season. Had Lewis Connolly been doing the highlights, I'd be in this last season. But now Sean's doing them. He's got that bit more professional sheen to it. I thought, ah, perhaps not. And then seeing Falkirk equalised uh, in the in the last night, I thought, ah, maybe I just can, can wait for them till, till till the next day to watch them. But it's a it's a it's a funny thing how you can make something more professional but also take away with it at the, the same time. It seems to be a a bit of a a thing now across the lower leagues where the the commentary is becoming better and and better and more professional. It seems to be like a, a young man's game now, like commentary for for lower league highlights. I I feel exactly I feel exactly the same. And as much as Sean's commentary is is very good, he's essentially ruined it for me. <laughs> this is it. This is the you get the first two signatures of the Bring Back Lewis Connolly fan club. Now that we will present our findings to Parliament. I, I don't know how you start an online uh, petition, but I'm going to I'm going to look into it after this. Change.org. That's who you go to. And a really a really badly written. Terrible grammar post about why we need to get Lewis Connolly back on Falkirk TV. And in fairness, I think every single fan of every single club in Scottish football would sign it. I think, I think so. I think you've, you've brought what's the population of Scotland about six million people. Yeah, I think you're going to five get five million certainly. Five million. I think you're going to get more people who participated <laughs> in the the census filling in this. That's how strongly I think people feel about it. Sorry, Sean, you're good, but you're too good. And that's why you need to need to move on. Fuck off back to Livingston. That was fine. Livingston was a great laugh. You're ruining it for us all, mate. You're ruining it for us all. Is there, I mean, anything you said about Cove Rangers. Cove Rangers now have played, perhaps, what they might see as the, the biggest rivals for the title in, in Hamilton, Ackies and Falkirk. And they've lost to Hamilton. And they probably should have lost to Falkirk here. How, how, you, what you made of Cove Rangers so far? Uh, weird. Aye, like just like how do they have so many players? Like what is it about? It's, they've got it's almost squad, like they've got a squad of twenty-seven. Twenty-seven players, man. It's like Paul Hartley has some kind of affliction where he just cannot help signing, like signing players. And I don't know if I don't know if any of them's any good. Aye. like like within that there are, there are there might be within that there might be a starting at living. That is that is decent. I know there there's, there's players that are out injured that are still come back, like Mitch Megason, for example. Uh, Fivey, it, it, it's like Blair you always still come back. There, there, there's there's critical key players that are still come back that will improve this team uh, significantly. But I don't know. I just I I do not have a lot of faith in Paul Hartley as a as a manager in, in terms of signing players, in terms of a, a, a tactician. That, and and you wouldn't have said that a number of years ago. You just said, "Listen, Paul Hart is a young manager that has got a, a good good future ahead of him." But it's just he's regressed so much in terms of my expectations of him as a as a manager. So no, I don't. I, I think they'll I think they'll do okay, but I I don't think they'll do okay in terms of what they set out to do in terms of becoming a full time club. Yeah, he reminds me of Polish war veteran Mister Trebus, but instead. <laughs> But instead of hoarding rubbish, he hoards players. 
And I don't know. It seems like that that, that Cove are signing new players. It's almost like a like every couple of days, Cove are bringing someone new in. And I'm sure we're at the stage now where they must be looking to get <laughs> some players off the books because I've I've no idea how you can run with a squad of 27 and keep everyone happy and keep everyone content. That must be an absolute nightmare. And we know that Paul Hartley is. is finds it difficult to deal with players that aren't necessarily part of his plans. I, th- I don't think he's... he's uh, His man management is lacking. It's what I've heard from, from, from other players. And that. So, aye, they, they've got a bit of work to do. But, I mean, against Falkirk, you know what Falkirk's biggest threat is. It's, it's from the flanks. It's from guys like Aggieman and, and, and guys like Callum Morrison. But I think that Rio Davidson, Phipps and Jacob Jones who were playing at fullback there, they think they struggled quite a bit. It was Rio Davidson Phipps' debut uh, for, for the club. But on the whole, I've no idea if this team are good or not. It, it really feels like it feels like a team in flux, a team who have really gone through a bit of an identity crisis at the moment. And that's I'm not just saying that because I don't know enough about the players, so I'm finding it difficult to talk about them. So you come away with some sort of grandiose philosophical <laughs> statement about what Cove Rangers are and what they're looking to do. But genuinely, it does feel like the club, like moving into full time football. Like who who is this for? Are you getting? Uh, is it, is it successful? Is it worth it? Is are you getting value for money? And if not, then you've got to perhaps re-examine what this football club is. It almost feels like, what's the point? Like, yeah. What is the point of uh, of Cove Rangers going full time? Because yeah. we've, we've seen them in the we've seen them in championship and they and they badly struggled. They've now went full time in in League One. And what is the like? What is the end game here? What mm-hmm. is the what is the purpose of what they're what they're trying to do? It feels like they need to embed themselves in Aberdeen and, and try and attract a try and attract a support. Now, how that's obviously a, a long term aim. And I suppose it's easier to do that when you're when you're in the championship. But in, in terms of what they're doing right here, right now, it, it feels like a very expensive and not necessarily uh, successful approach. Mm, yeah, I, I I'd agree with you. I'd agree with you. I just find it. I just just find it fascinating. Just it, it really does feel. <coughs> I, I compared it to like a football manager game that's gone several years into the future. Was awry. It <laughs> oh, it's gone. It's gone awry. Yeah. I mean, there's only, according to, there's a poster in Pine Bovril, Cove Rangers 1920-22, who is, in fact, they get the, the distinction of being the best Cove Rangers poster because they're the only Cove Rangers poster and, and, that's on it. And in fairness, one other one's appeared, but he, he appears quite uh, quite reckless, uh, quite uh, uh, yeah, argumentative. He, he made some pretty unfavourable comments about uh, Falkirk as a town. I didn't. I thought that that was quite. They were quite. Uh, I judged. thought that was unnecessary. Okay, so well there, then you, you then this Cove Rangers nineteen twenty twenty two. You are the best Falkirk poster. <laughs> you can say that definitively. But he was talking about that, that Cove Rangers are are, are are a hybrid model where they've got twenty odd full time players and they've got six part time players, and the part time players include Mitch Meganson, Blair Yule, Fraser Fivey, and these are the guys who are perhaps are still their their best and most important players in the team. And I, I just don't know how a, a hybrid model works. It seems to be the 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 worst of both worlds for yep. for a for a hybrid model. Mm-hmm. It sounds like an interesting idea in paper, and it's the sort of thing that I'm sure that clubs have, have thought about embracing and 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 talked about. But if you're a full time footballer, that's one of the good things about it is that you get the chance to you pitch up at training like ten. You're up the road by about twelve. Aye. No one wants to be a full time footballer training at like half seven at night. 
where half the team aren't going to be there. It just seems confused. It'd be nice to know exactly what what, what their their grand plan is, what their vision is for this football team, how they intend to reach their intended goal. Because at the moment, it all just seems a bit aye, reckless, as you say. Reckless is the right word. Before- I, I, oh, sorry, I was just going to say, I, I, I do think though that they will, between now and the end of the season, will will become much better. When, when those three players that you've mentioned become available, they, they suddenly become, a, they go from a, an okay team to a, to a pretty good League One team, I think. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Cove Rangers next are playing against Montrose away. So that should be a, a decent indicator as to, to where they are. Montrose have brought in, a, a, as a boy on loan for Dundee United, he's a, a wide midfielder, perhaps not necessarily a position that Montrose needed to address. I think it's more the middle of the park. This young guy can cover that position, so who knows, he might uh, add something that Stuart Petrie's team are missing. But nevertheless, a trip away to Montrose should be a good barometer to where Cove Rangers see themselves next. But before we move on from League One... I want to give a big shout out to Kevin Gallagher. And Kevin Gallagher, he is from the Wasp Nest podcast. That is pretty much your one-stop shop for everything to do with Aloha Athletic. On last week's show, we were talking about Tucci Ogai, the, the Aloha Athletic goalkeeper. We wanted to know how on earth he had moved from the from regional German football to Aloha Athletic. And, and Kevin got in touch to say that he had been playing, born in Nigeria, this is this is not Kevin. This is a little guy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so just to, just for clarification, there that Ogai had been playing born in Nigeria, had been playing football in Ukraine, had left Ukraine when the war kicked off, had, had uh, pitched up in Germany, and he had met a woman from Alva <laughs> of, of all places, and then moved with her to Clack Manager, and then that is how he got his got the gig at the, the wreck simply by pitching up and saying. I quite fancy. I quite fancy a game. So that's a lovely wee story. It's a great story, man. And on top of that, like I listened to the Wash Nice podcast. It's actually really good. It's Kevin McAllister and Kieran Mooney, who is one of the commentators on Aloha TV. Really, really good stuff. And they're hoping to have Ogai on a future podcast. And I think I speak for every single person when I say I sincerely hope that happens because I really want to know more about Ogai and uh, has moved from regional German football. To, to lower league Scottish football as do I however I also think he should stop coming for crosses with his feet unorthodox yes it's, as we said there's, there are some jobs that you don't want people to be unorthodox in a lollipop man <laughs> that would be the worst job to be unorthodox <laughs> just be just be orthodox when it comes to uh, lollipop men or women yeah a, a, a dental practitioner and, and, a, and a goalkeeper these are sort of three professions you don't want anyone to to be unorthodox in also want to give a big shout out to uh, unfortunately I don't know his name but the, the other commentator from Aloha TV he left some very positive posts in Pine Bovel about our hard work so we really appreciate that so keep up keep up the hard work and do Thank keep you. on listening yeah it's, it's great we will move Sean to League 2 mm-hmm Seems Hell like yes. a, a sensible sensible move. Let's move to another new build stadium that no one really likes visiting. <laughs> I think that's the theme for the, for this podcast, actually. We're all, we're all talking about sort of like shabby new build stadiums that, that no one really enjoys going to. <laughs> we are going to New Douglas Park, the other NDP in League 
to where Clyde were beaten 2-0 by Bonnie Rig Rose Athletic. Clyde yet to win in 23-24 and they continued their mediocre start. And it was goals right at the end of either half. One from Jason Jarvis, he scored right before the interval. And Bradley Barrett, my goodness, added a stunner right before the final whistle. Sean, thoughts on Clyde nil, Bonnie Rig Rose 2? Man alive. Like, I, I know when we picked games, it was like, right, well, like there's a lot of kind of very dull sounding games in, in League Two uh, at the weekend there. Mm-hmm. However, the fact that there was two goals in this, the, the fact that, that Bonnie and I have, have started the season reasonably well, the fact that Clyde have started the season so poorly that it felt like there would be a lot to talk about. When you look at the highlights, like I know like I know Clyde, Clyde's highlights are always very brief. Yes. Like generally under three minutes. I was like, right, well, to, to get a good... Uh, taste for this game, I will go to the Bonnery Kylots because they're lasting nine minutes. There's a reason they last nine minutes, though. (laughs) Yes, there is a reason for that. I suppose there's two reasons for that. One is uh, they include uh, an interview with uh, the the manager at the tail end, and also they have multiple uh, multiple replays of just like very Dull moments in the game. Like, uh, I, I no, think I really like. I really like those. Like, that, that no, there was, yeah, no, there was a point really where there was a point where Dean Watson had a had a shot from the the left hand side. Like it was a decent shot. Like Neil Parry kind of like oddly a, a weird thing. He kind of squatted and then palmed it down. They showed that three times. So from a, a seven minute highlights package, that took up about a minute and a half. So I, I don't think, and to be fair, that's not a criticism. I just I don't know if there was too many. Too much good stuff happening in this game, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. If if I told you that Clyde and Bonnie Rig Rose were playing against each other, do you imagine <laughs> there'd be a lot of good stuff happening in this game? I'm going to have to say no. The match kind of played out as, as I imagined that it would. I, I thought that Clyde are off to a really bad start. We can come and talk about Clyde's struggles very shortly. But Bonnie Rig, I, I, what I saw in these highlights here, I was quite impressed by them. I think that a guy who, on our big preview podcast, I gave a bit of kicking to Smarter Saddle, or he actually looked like he had a really good game here. Mm-hmm. He was... It's a couple of really nice touches in the in the penalty box. He'd, he'd won, he'd, he'd, he was involved with uh, Jarvis's goal. And in the yep. second half, he'd, I think it might have been might have been for Dean Watson. It might have been for someone else. A really cute through ball for him to, to have a shot from close range. Uh, I, and I think that he's got that in his, his locker. He is like a decent player. Just you, I don't personally, I don't think you see it enough with with, with a, a saddle or, or, or what what was he commentator? The commentator pronounced it slightly different to me. Like a saddle or what was it? I don't know. I think, I, I think he pronounced it slightly differently in the first half and the second half, but I must admit, he, he also pronounced it differently for me, but I'm not saying I'm right. Yeah, uh, if anyone knows the proper correct <laughs> pronunciation of Smarter Saddler, please, again, just let myself and Sean know. It's, 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 I think it, one of these things I quite enjoy with these podcasts and asking for audience participa- participation, it's great to find out how many things you get wrong a lot of the time. <laughs> But it's the only way you learn. It's the only way you learn if uh, if people pull pull you up for it. But th- there was a, a Clyde had a really good chance early on. It was one of Ross Forbes' sort of like flat, like drilled corners, and Eric went to Eric Sula. has a very unlucky actually left footed volley that, that sort of narrowly went over the bar. That seemed to be about as good as it got for Clyde. Yeah, because there's Jarvis with a, a close range finish and and. It was really poor defending from Clyde. There's about like four or five players around. I think it's him, Dean Watson. Um, they're they're all sort of like looking for the the ball, and it sort of, when it once it squirms through to Jarvis for the finish, you think 
that's perhaps a goal that should have been snuffed out. Yes, it should have been. But then I suppose when you go about constructing a side with the defence that, that Clyde have, then it's not surprising that they like they that they don't. Like this is a this is a certainly a starting eleven that, that, that isn't good enough. Uh, and in terms of the bench, it just seems to be teenagers and the guys come from kind of B teams and, and youth teams that, that might be fine. I've I've no idea, but but certainly they have like we're always going about like how poor Clyde are and and how we think they're going to have a, a a really poor season, and I've seen nothing so far to to think that that, that won't be the case. And it's yeah. like on the park, they look they look terrible. They look, they look so poor. And off the park as well, there's like huge issues there. And mm. uh, I, I know I've, I've never thought it was a good look the fact that that Brian McLean was a manager. But Jim Duffy's the director of football, but then seems to be orchestrating things on the, yeah. on the touchline. Now that didn't seem to be the case at the weekend, so I suppose that's a maybe something heading in the right direction. But but in general, my goodness, Clyde seems to be a, a team that's going one way. Yeah, the optics for that look really bad. I agree with you. I saw when the the camera moved at full time, it zoomed in towards the dugouts where like Brian McLean is shaking hands with Robbie Horn, and then Jim Duffy shaking hands with him, and I just think. Clyde needed freshening up after the relegation last season, and and Jim Duffy moving upstairs. I like his his contacts book through the guys that they brought in. Ross Forbes, a player who he had worked with previously at Dumbarton, <laughs> and then the brother of one of the players that's already in his books that didn't have a team. It's a, it just seems like a real lack of imagination. You think for someone that's been in the game as long as Duffy has, that should be his strongest suit. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm sure that he's trying all he can to sign like like quality players it doesn't seem to be the case and I compare them if, if I may to, to Stenhouse Muir for, for, for a little bit but but Stenhouse Muir I've got a very small squad a lot of teams actually in League 2 have got small squads like Stenhouse Muir have played against Forfra Athletic and Peterhead and I think that <clears throat> excuse me both teams only had about four or five players on the, the bench mm-hmm. but, but Gary Nace was being asked about the, the squad and he's saying that he wants to bring in players who he can trust and guys who he knows that if he's bringing them off the bench or starting whatever, these are guys he trusts to be able to make a difference. He doesn't want just to sign guys for the sake of it who he doesn't believe that, that can add value. And when I see the guys that are that are going to Clyde, I, I think that that's probably a, a good shout. I mean, since we've got a like since we're a better team than Clyde, so they can perhaps afford to be patient. On the whole, since we've got uh, the 16 players they have signed, I think that most of them, almost all of them, you can you can hang your hat on to some degree. But Clyde don't have that. And the guys that they have signed, it does feel like jersey fillers that they've just been brought in just because they need players to, to fill positions. But it's jersey fillers for the starting 11. Like, see if it was just like jersey fillers to sit on the bench and, and maybe come on in an emergency or, or maybe come on for the last two minutes. Fine. But I, uh, I, I don't really want to... I hate being like entirely negative on, on individuals, but it feels like Clyde have maybe five players in that start eleven. So like Peter Grant I think Peter Grant could have been an excellent defender, but unfortunately he's just been run down by by injuries. Uh Connor Scullion, Ewan Cameron, Short Carswell, John Grant. there's five players that I don't know if they'd necessarily get a game for other for other League Two teams. Mm. So I would be I certainly. I, I mean, I know there's now a, this weird rumor that that is somebody with a bit of money to spend that wants to get involved in Clyde. Read that, read that in Pine Bovril. Uh, yeah. I mean, if that's the case, then then fine, great. 
uh, whether you would want to, whether you want Jim Duffy to be in charge of spending that money as a as a as a different case, I suppose. But certainly, as it stands, I mean, I've I've watched Clyde a few times now, and I'm struggling. Like they're definitely, unless there's going to be some kind of change, they're, they're definitely going to be down the the, the kind of lower reaches in League Two. Bonnie Rig, Bonnie Rig looked okay. I, I didn't think it looked anything startling, but they looked a good bit better than Clyde. Aye, on top of that as well, you can tell. You can, in fact, you can tell. You, it's not hard to. You listen to the the team being booed off the pitch at half time. You listen to the team being booed off the pitch at full time. And what I meant there by optics, it's like Duffy shouldn't be in the dugout. I appreciate that mm-hmm. the club want an experienced person for Brian McLean to lean on. But at the same token, Brian McLean's been in football for what two decades as a yep. as a player. What he's thirty eight mm-hmm. years old. And and so he would have seen enough and, and surely as his own man that he can do it, that he could say to Jim, listen, Jim, I don't want you in the dugout. Go and, go and sit in the stand because it just looks bad. Even if Jim Duffy's just sitting there and not doing anything, the fact he's in there just looks bad. And when you add into that sort of the negativity from the relegation from last season, even although Jim Duffy, to be fair, sort of made Clyde better at the, 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 the tail of last season, was able to bring in some players who if they had been there for the best part of the season, might have made them a bit more competitive over the, the tail end. But nevertheless, it just feels like Duffy and Clyde, it feels like it's ran its course. You know? It, it, you're right in terms of how it looks. It looks like Brian McLean isn't in charge. Mm. Like, for those, when Duffy's been there and he's been kind of cajoling and directing the team, it looks like that McLean is is second in charge. Like, he's the assistant manager. Like, we, we, you've mentioned previously in terms of when teams have uh, dual managers, uh, like co-managers, it, it, it feels weird and doesn't necessarily work. Now, this isn't the same setup, but it kind of feels like Jim Duffy is, is taking charge on match day. And that that doesn't feel right at all. And I kind of almost feel like it might overrule Potentially, what McLean's saying in the in the dressing room, and maybe mm. he is, maybe he's vociferous before the game, maybe he's vociferous at, at half time, maybe he 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 delivers good stuff after the game. Oh. I, I don't know, but in terms of those ninety minutes, it, it doesn't look right when he's saying nothing and Duffy is directing everything. Have you listened to any of Brian McLean's post match interviews? He he doesn't inspire. No, 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 and and I'd be if I was a Clyde fan, I'd be a bit worried by the stuff that he said after the Bonnie Rig game he said like the team looked like a bunch of strangers and they got turned over relatively easy but one of the things that, that, that sort of bothered me it seemed like a, an indication about a lack of fight where he said that the team were looking for cheap fouls they were, they were like anticipating contacting going down not getting the fouls and and that be the worry that where the team just don't feel physically like I mean if it's if it's a physical thing or mentally like able to mm-hmm. to compete. I mean Bonnie Rig, are, you you know what you're going to get from Bonnie Rig. They're, they're a they're a big side. They can they can play a bit of football at times, but on the whole, it's going to be get the ball up as quickly as you can, percentages and and so on. So you know you're going to come up against them. So by trying to initiate contact and going down, that's just not good enough. That is just not good enough. And that would be the worry if you've got a group of players there that seem a bit, like, for want of a better expression, pea-hearted. Yeah. No, no, totally. And uh, what was I going to say? In terms of what you mentioned there, in terms of you know what you're going to get from Bonnie Rig, like, League 2 isn't, like, it's not a complex league. Hmm. Like, I don't think you have to do too much tactically to, to necessarily be a success. The fact they're playing Rennie up front on his own, 
Like, maybe they, if they have Rennie and one other to, to go up top and then play it a bit long, like, maybe that would just play the percentages and maybe that would work out a wee bit better. Because as it stands, it kind of feels like they, they maybe want to play a wee bit of football, but aren't good enough to do it. And then that all peters out and then they just go long anyway. But they just have Rennie, who is so far away from the midfield, it's not going to work. Like, in terms of... In terms of McLean, in terms of how he comes across, I believe he said pre-season that he wanted to be the fittest team in the league. Yep. But then they signed Ross Forbes, who, who is who might be the unfittest player in League Two. So, so there's there, there's so many contradictions with Clyde, and it's just aye, there's so many poor decisions over a five six year period now, uh, and it's it, it feels like it's coming home to roost. And that, that that's not just with the players or the managers; it's it's higher aye. up than them. They need to take a look at themselves. Yeah, I mean, they're playing, we're recording this on, on sort of early Wednesday evening. They're playing the University of Stirling in the SPFL Trust Trophy. Now, Clyde actually did all right in the competition last season. It was one of the few bright spots. They got to the quarterfinals, but they did come a cropper in the competition going down to Broomhill two years ago. And they really hope, I mean, University of Stirling, they have lost a number of players. In fact, actually, um, Jarvis, that, that scored for Bonnerick, he was at University of Stirling mm-hmm. last season. James Berry, their captain, he's moved on to Stennis. A number of players have moved elsewhere within the within the football pyramid, so they're a different team. But you really hope, just for Clyde's sake, that they can beat them and there is at least a, a, some degree of positive feeling that, that they can they can cling on to going into the league campaign. Yeah, because if, if, if Stirling Uni had beat them last season, I'd say, well, you know something, that, that Stirling Uni team looked look pretty good. I mean, with a few games to go, they could well several games to go. They could still have finished top of the mm-hmm. of the lone league. I don't think it started this season particularly well. So, I if they if they're to lose that, depending on what team they put out, I suppose I'm, I'm guessing they'll put Clyde will put out a a reasonably strong team. I don't in, think in there's terms, any other option to to, to do uh, that. In terms like of what they can do, in terms of what they can do, then I uh, that would be a, a fairly dreadful result. And, and as much as it's a Challenge Cup. It's still going to put even more pressure on McLean and Duffy on the board. Yeah, I, mean, I, I suppose if we, if we go on to finish talking about this game, we do have to finish in a positive. And the the goal that sealed it for Bornig from Bradley Barrett, what a hit this was. Brilliant. This is like, like it's a ball, long ball that's played uh, over the top and I think there's a striker running onto it. Neil Parry does the right thing, comes out to meet it. His clearance isn't fantastic. He plays it straight to Barrett. 40 yards from goal, touch, boomf, and a hit. Like lobs him from 40 yards. Now, Barrett has scored two goals since Body Rigg have come into the SPFL. They have both been, I'm not exaggerating, <laughs> world-class goals. He scored He scored against Steny last season in a 1-1 draw in November. And that goal, that that is one of the best goals I've ever seen Steny Spear concede. It was, again, he picks up the ball middle apart, touch, touch, about 30 yards from goal, and just melts it. And the ball's still rising as it hits the top of the, hits the underside of the crossbar and goes in. So, I mean, that's like, if, if, he, if he never, if he only scores one goal a season, you know it's going to be an absolute stunner. But that's that's to his credit. That, that was a, a really good way for, for Bonnie Rigg to, to, to wrap up the, the match. Still not, not 100% sure how, how good a side Bonnie Rigg are. I mean, they're, they're sort of like joint top of the table at the moment for, for what, what it's worth. But um, are you, have you, have you oh, based on the back of collecting those four points, have you perhaps changed your opinion on how they'll do? No. No, I still think they will be in the in, in the bottom half of the table. I, I, I thought they were I thought they were fine last weekend. And, I, I, you know, something I, I thought they were 
they, they were perfectly acceptable uh, on, on Saturday against Clyde, but I, I do think they're playing as a very, very poor team. Don't think they'll be in relegation trouble whatsoever, and maybe they'll be higher than the, than the eighth that I that I, I claimed that they might be, but I, like, I don't think they'll finish top four or anything like that. Yeah, just one final thing about League Two. I was going to briefly mention Peterhead nil, Stenhouse Muir nil, but there's no point because it was fucking terrible, and it was a, a waste of a journey up to up to Balmer. I I wasn't sure if you were going, and then on Saturday night I'd, you'd put a very long post about the game. So I was like, ah, Craig Telford did go to the game. I've I've watched the game. It, it looks really bad. Yeah, it was. It was terrible. Peter Head had a breakaway that was saved, and then the rebound was cleared off the line. That was quite exciting. They had a free kick that hit the outside of the post. That was cool. Other than that, though, very very little <laughs> happened. The teams there was a really strong wind blowing from one goal to the other, and the teams that actually had it behind them were worse. Like, Stennis Muir had it behind him in the first half, they were poor. Peter Head had it behind him in the second half, they were even worse. And Stennis Muir, Michael Anderson was sent off. This is me, despite saying, oh, Mikey Anderson is going to have a breakout season, was sent off for two bookings in that game. So after that, it was like, Stennis Muir's job was just to shut it down. So not great. The one thing I would say about it, the, the pitch is immaculate at Balmour. It's like a putting green. And fair play to the grounds are up there because they should be incredibly proud of that surface. It's when you're watching that surface and you're watching the ball getting lumped up. The, play, <laughs> the players are the players are treating the ball like it's a like a you know like a comedy stick of dynamite from a Tom and Jerry movie. I think that's an absolute disgrace, and that belies all the hard work that goes on amongst the Balmoor ground staff because that's a, a gorgeous place to play football. Well, listen, I suppose if you want to uh, be positive about Stenny's start to the season, they've played Forfa, who are one of the pre-season favourites, and Peterhead were excellent on the opening of the season. So two draws against potentially two good League Two teams. Yes, and, and just kind of tangentially sticking on Stenny's Muir, Mark McGuigan has come out of retirement. He came out. Is of, he? Yeah, he came out of retirement uh, last night. He has signed for Gart Cairn in the West of Scotland Premier League. They are managed by Mick Dunlop, who they played together uh, for a season at the Warriors, won promotion to League One. And I was looking at the fixtures, and there's a game where Stenny are playing in one of their more remote teams, might be Stranraer or Elgin, and Gart Cairn are at home. I, I think it's in October. I'm definitely going to go see it, and I hope Mark McGuigan is a massive success. I don't think he's kicked a ball for two years, over two years, mm-hmm. when, he, when he left the Warriors to sign for his fifth and then retired. So I, I hope he's a huge success there, and I hope that Gart Cairn have a have a really good season with, with him in charge. Him and well, then fair play to fair play to him and uh, and Gart Cairn. Fair play. Just very very finally, if we're talking uh-huh. about Mark McGuigan, somebody very charismatic. I want to talk about somebody even more charismatic, and this is Mister Christy Aitchison, who texted me the word buzzard. And if you've listened to the big lower league podcast, you will know exactly what I mean by the word buzzard. He then went on to say he found the podcast informative and enjoyable. And to hear it come from someone like him, it really meant a lot. Have you had the chance to meet Christy yet? I've never met Christy. I've heard a lot of good things about him. I've only heard good things about him. Listener, if you want to have a good time, hang out with Christy Aitchison. It really is as simple as that. Really is as simple. And I think with... He's a Hearts fan. 
uh, with Hearts. Hopefully they get the chance to progress in Europe because if Hearts are playing on Sundays, that means he's free on the Saturdays and he can perhaps come to a game at Oakleview or, or whatever. So that that to wow. me is very, very exciting. And I think, Sean, if Christie's coming, then perhaps you and Robert Borthwick should come as, as well. I know that your time coming to watch Dennis Muir games has been roundly shit, but I think with Christie being there, we can use him as some sort of good luck mascot and he can G the team on to, to victory. I, I would absolutely bet for that. Very yes. much so. Brilliant. Christy, we'll see you at Steny at some point soon. Now, Sean and I, we will we'll finish up there because that's a, a natural conclusion. Get to hang out with Christy Aitchison. It doesn't really get much better than that. We are going to record a special Patreon podcast. We had a big mailbag of questions last week we were sent. Uh, there were some brilliant questions there. Too many to get through on the one, po- one podcast. So Sean and I are going to answer the best of the rest over on Patreon. So please, if you're not already subscribed to it, give it a go because it really is keeping the roof over some people's heads so please do that but in the meantime Sean pleasure to spend the last uh, 75 minutes with you no thank you thank you and thank you to the listener take care and enjoy your football and unlike the people who are encroaching on the pitches as we saw at Cove Rangers and we saw at the Edinburgh City game Enjoy your football. Please do so respectfully. That's what we ask. The people who went on the pitch there obviously ain't been listening to this podcast. So please uh, just be a bit more considerate. Anyway, take care. Goodbye. God bless. Sports Social Podcast Network.